When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Now, this morning, I was doing some research and I came across an interview uh, from Montrez Harrell, actually an interview that I had seen a little a little bit of uh, prior but it was referred to me today again. So I said, okay, let me watch it and see what he had to say. Now, as you guys know, Montrez Harrell used to be a Los Angeles Clipper. Uh, when he was with the Clippers, he was there with Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and all of these guys. And he really, they really helped keep that team afloat, uh, making an exciting team before ultimately Kawhi Leonard <clears throat> and Paul George joining uh, in 2019, 2020, right? So when they joined that team, a lot of people felt like that Clippers team was going to be able to win the NBA championship that year. I certainly did. And a lot of people out there, a lot of analysts felt uh, the same way. So what happened? Um, something unforeseen, uh, you know, unprecedented took place, which when the, the global pandemic happened and then it shut down everything, it shut down the entire NBA. And then the NBA shut down for about, I believe it is a month and a half or two months or so. And during that period, they were trying to discuss a way in which these, you know, the games were going to come back and ultimately how they were going to play them. So ultimately, they were able to come to some type of resolution where uh, they decided they were going to go play in the Orlando and or Orlando, Florida, in the Orlando bubble, as they referred to it. And it was a pretty restrictive zone where you can come in and certain people can come out. There were all of these various protocols. You have to get tested every single day. It was pretty pretty crazy. And at the time, some NBA players and NBA teams were okay with the idea, and some people were against it. And based on the research and the information that I was able to unearth, it turns out that some of the Clippers players did not want to be there. And just today, uh, Montrez Harrell actually verified that. So as I was listening to him talk to Gilbert Arenas on Fubo Sports, they were talking and then Montrez Harrell made it pretty clear that he believes it, that if the Clippers weren't in the Orlando bubble, they would absolutely, absolutely have won that championship. But before we even get into that, this video is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now, here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So what we would like to do is we'd like to play exactly what uh, Montrez Harrell had to say here, and then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there. 
Your former Clippers teammate Terrence Mann said recently that if there wasn't a bubble, the Clippers would have won the on chip God. that year. On God. Do you believe that? Oh God, stand on that. Stand on that. Why do you think that? What? Won't nobody beat us in seven, man. <laughs> Won't nobody beat us in seven. Like, we was locked in, bro. Like, you got to think, bro. We had to take off a month, almost two months, and not play. Well, people was almost had to sit in the house. Or we couldn't go in the gym. Like, that. Like now you starting to ramp it back up, and now you just say you, we're going to do right, a bubble. We're going to, you feel me, cut off the last little part of the season, really, or play these games as, like, a warm-up game. Like, you feel me? Like, people, now we got to move. We like, like, bro, come on, bro. Like, after being sitting down for, like, a month, bro, like, come on, bro. Everybody wasn't having, we, everybody don't got that same paycheck to keep these same trainers and stuff to be able to work out throughout the same, you feel me, that month time while we off. Like, is, is that is that really what it is that once the season ended, majority of the team just really thought we wasn't coming back and then they just wasn't in the gym? So when it cranked up another month, it was kind of like, God damn it, we, we kind of off while everyone else was like, I think we're coming back, so. I mean, honestly, I think so. Cause you gotta think, bro, like, it's, it was, we was damn near like bonded for certain stuff. We couldn't, like, we was working with it as best we could with what they let happen. But once again, like, everybody's not set up the same way, you feel me? So we still can't stay on that consistent workout based on how we were doing if we was constantly going in the gym, you feel me, getting that gym access. But we couldn't even really go in the gym, you feel me? At least not all at the same time or be in there with the culture. Like, so that's now you, people got to train themselves to work out by themselves, bro. So, like, that's tough, mm -hmm. you feel me? Then on top of that, even when we got in the bubble, people was talking about leaving it. <laughs> With all the violence and stuff that was going on, you mm -hmm. feel me? So it, it, it like it, it messed up a lot of mental, bro. Like you feel me? And then I'm not even gonna lie, it was I was really messed up. Like, like that's the year like I won six man, but I ain't gonna lie, I was really checked out, bro. Like I really was almost wasn't planning on going back to the bubble. You feel me? Like I had something totally traumatic tra uh, traumatic happen to me. You feel me? Okay. Like, I lost my grandmother. Okay. You feel me? Like that's why I left the bubble. Mm -hmm. Like little people know, I didn't play no warm up games. So after being off a month, going into the bubble, everybody having the warm-up games, I was off two months, came back, got quarantined for like five, ten days, and was having to try to get my win in that and go right in the playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Like, and people, people don't really talk about that component of it because that made y'all quarantine. What's that like for you to just be locked up in a, in a hotel room? I was messed up, bro. Like I said, I dealt with something traumatic happened to yeah. me. I lost my grandma. I lost somebody that was like my world to me, bro. Like somebody that I literally still play and do a lot of things in my life for and honor. You feel me? And when you lose somebody like that and I was in this stint, like I wasn't able to say goodbye. Mm. I wasn't able to tell my grandma to goodbye. I still deal with that mentally to this day. I'm still not okay off of that. I have my days here and there. You feel me? But... I had being being in a, a four wall room, dealing with that on your mind, like that's tough. Nobody there with me. You feel me? Not my lady, not my kids, not my dad. You feel me? Not my mom, my brothers. Like I can talk to them on the phone, but nobody's there with me physically. Like it, it dawned on me, bro. Like it's tough. Like yeah, you get to get out of this room and go play basketball for a two hour period, mm -hmm. but you're coming back to these four walls. You damn it, can't even be around your teammates. 
Like, you had to open the door and talk to your teammate throughout the room. Like, we literally testing <laughs> on the test mess. Like, hey, yo, peek your head outside the room. Yo, what up? Y'all good? You, oh, y'all was in jail. Like, yeah, that's what it was, bro. I <laughs> was in jail. That's what it was, bro. And, like, Shit. have something like that happen to you, you feel me, and be in a four-corner space. Like, yeah, that's what I felt like. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand, like, like teams, like what athlete, what being an athlete really is, right? It's it's the locker room, it's the plane ride, it's the courts, right? Those are the times where we all are together enjoying each other, having fun, like talking about what we did last night, what we're gonna do when we get to the city. So when our careers is over, right. it's just us, right. right? Us and our thoughts, right. right? With our family, trying to figure out this family life. Right. Well, when you go into a place where you're cut off from your teammates and your family, and it's just me and my thoughts. If you're not on the same wave as, all right, we got a game today, and it's like, I ain't playing. Now, if you ain't playing and coach messing with you, you by yourself thinking about that, and that's the worst. 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 That's the worst thing to do. You ain't got a teammate to be like, oh, don't even worry about it, sure. We're going to do it, you know what I mean? Right. When I get in the game, I'll pass you the ball. So. None of that. You by yourself sitting there with your own thoughts. That's a scary place to be. Yeah, yeah, you. That's a scary place to be. And then it wasn't just me. I had, it was me and two other, you feel me, primal pieces that dealt with things throughout that bubble, you feel mm -hmm. me? Lou ended up leaving as well. He lost somebody in his close circle as well. You feel me, had to come back in quarantine. That's the whole thing they say he was in like the old strip club and all mm -hmm. that. Like, so it wasn't just me that was dealing with stuff going on, you feel me? So have all that happen, we have to deal with that, but it's only by yourself. You feel me? Like, yeah, you can talk to your family and stuff like that, yeah. you feel me? But these guys are older, you feel me? Lou is older, they're mm -hmm. more established, stuff like that. Like me, I'm, you feel me? I'm still, I was in a younger stage, you feel me? Like, I was still, like, what, 26, 27, so I said, so. So you heard what Montrez Harrell uh, had to say there. Um, I'm gonna have to give a little bit of pushback on this for a few reasons. As someone that followed that team very closely, I'm not discounting the factors that Montrez Harrell lay bare here. I'm not saying that those things didn't matter. They absolutely did. But I, and I think a lot of people saw it another way. If the bubble was such a uncomfortable environment, why was the Lakers, why were they able to kind of weather that storm and stay together as a group? Because I guess all of them under the same circumstances in terms of protocols, not being able to see your teammates and all of those different things. So that's the first thing. Um, because they all had similar circumstances. What I remember is this. In that bubble, yes, Montrez Harrell came in late. He was he was out of shape. I even remember one day he was running and Doc Rivers was like telling him to run because he came into the So I, those things are true. Uh, and they were absolutely a factor. But here's my issue. What I remember is the following. The Clippers made it out of round one where they beat uh, Luka Doncic's um, Dallas Mavericks. And it was a tough series, but they ultimately prevailed. Then they got to the second round where they were playing against the, um, what's the team? The Denver Nuggets. And in that series, the Clippers went up 3-1 in that series. 3-1. Kawhi Leonard was playing exactly how he played the year before. He was an absolute monster. As a matter of fact, those playoffs in the bubble that year, Kawhi Leonard was averaging 28 points per game on 49% shooting from the from the uh what is it from the field. He was shooting 33% from the three, 86% from the free throw line. He was getting you 9.3 rebounds, 5.5 assists, only 2.5 turnovers, and 2.3 steals per game 
in, what, 39 minutes a game in 13 games. So Kawhi was playing well, but then what started happening? What started happening was Doc Rivers, because in the playoffs, teams make adjustments to what you're doing. Doc Rivers stopped making adjustments. And I vividly remember various Clippers players coming back saying that they would beat us one game and would come back and would change nothing. We wouldn't change anything. They'll come back the next game and they'll beat, they'll beat them. And then the Nuggets fought back and won two games to make the series 3-3. And then what happened? They get to game seven. And for the first time in the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard had a bad game. Now, the problem was he had a bad game alongside Paul George, who was totally inconsistent those playoffs. Totally inconsistent. One game he was here, the next game he was gone. That year is when they came up with the old playoff P where he got destroyed. That year, Paul George was averaging in the playoffs. To put that into context, 20 points per game on 39.8 shooting from the field, 33% shooting from the three-point line, 90.1% shooting from the free throw line, and he was getting you six rebounds a game, 3.8 assists, 3.1 turnovers, and 1.5 steals. And what happened was in game seven, both Kawhi and Paul George had a bad game, and they were not able to overcome that. Those Clippers were winning those games in spite of Paul George. Kawhi was playing very, very good. That's what I remember. I remember Paul George not playing well, and I remember the Clippers not making uh, 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 adjustments in that series, and that's how they lost. Now, obviously, those other things were a factor as well, but the Lakers, who won the championship, and the other teams played under the exact same circumstances, give or take. So to me, man, I'm not going for it. The Clippers lost, and they lost. They lost. We will never know if they did. They lost. Fair and square, and that's how I see it, and that's how I'm going to always see it. The Clippers lost that series, period, end of story. So these are my thoughts. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Now, <clears throat> I try my best to not produce topics on silly things, but what happened was, you know, there's some Kobe Bryant uh, haters out there. And these guys never give it a rest. So what was happening was there was an interview that's still ongoing on Vlad TV featuring um, Tim Donahue, the former, the crooked uh, um, former NBA referee. So what happened? Um, they were there and they were talking about a bunch of different things. And then it came a part where they were talking about Kobe Bryant. Uh, and in this part, some people, you know, he basically, Vlad was asking, Vlad seems to be totally clueless about the NBA, which is incredible. Uh, he was asking him all of these questions. And basically, Tim Donahue was talking about how the NBA would basically send a memo to them for certain things about Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, watch this, watch that, watch that. So I thought it was a non-story because I thought it was so stupid. Um, because what he was explaining was something that would benefit everyone. But for, for whatever reason, there are a lot of morons out there that felt like they got you. Like, oh, my, oh, look, we got you. We got. I don't even understand why we attract these people. But whatever. They thought they got something. When in reality, they got nothing. So I was like, I'm not going to talk about this. But then some people started, you know, saying this and saying that. And I made a post on the community and people thought they were saying something innovative. So I said, you know what? Let me try to touch on this topic here to just to kind of kind of put this thing to rest. Because some people thought they were being clever. And in the end, they were not being clever uh, whatsoever. So Tim Donahue was, Donahue was known for, you know, affecting games and, you know, doing some pretty, pretty, uh, 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 
crazy stuff that ultimately got him in some serious trouble uh, with the NBA, with games and all of that stuff. So he was basically explaining to Vlad how, you know, he was kind of modifying the way he would referee and certain referees uh, would kind of referee the game when Kobe Bryant was playing. So what we want to do is we want to play exactly what he had to say here before I give away too much. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there. Okay. And this is sort of an interesting topic because, and you mentioned this, I think on 60 Minutes, like, you know, at one point, well, I mean the entire time, but specifically at certain times, the NBA was favoring Kobe. So what kind of message would they tell the refs in terms of, you know, make sure you call every foul and make sure that he's always, you know, you know, there to, to shoot extra points and so forth. You know, like like how how clear was the, was the message coming from the NBA to the refs? It was very clear. I'll never forget when Kobe was in a playoff series with the Phoenix Suns, and I forget who the uh, defender was, but they called him the Kobe stopper, or he referred to himself as the Kobe stopper. And they would show us video of games previously of plays that fouls weren't called of this guy holding him or defending him too strongly. And they wanted freedom of movement because they wanted higher scoring in these games. So they would show you plays and say, this was a foul that was missed. And these three referees missed this play. Make sure you don't let this happen tonight. Make sure you call this when this happens. And that's how they would program and train the officials in the next game to have more freedom of movement and have Kobe Bryant uh, have the ability to score more points and and do well. So they're basically telling you to give Kobe an advantage and people that were covering him a disadvantage in a way. Exactly. I, I now I remember the guy's name. His name was Raja Bell, a uh, very good defender in the league and you know a guy that uh, would defend Kobe very well. And they would just show you a lot of plays of him defensively and saying these plays should have been called a foul, and they weren't. And these referees had a low score officiating-wise because they missed this call. So make sure you call it tonight. And you as an official wanted to get the highest grade possible because that would mean you would advance up the ladder and have more playoff games and make more money. So you would go out and call it. I mean, did that sort of bother you in a way? Because, I mean, this is sort of point-fixing to a certain degree, if you really think about it. You're coming from, you know, the top of the NBA. Did it bother me? No, because, you know, you wanted to do the best job you could do and you were going to go out and do what any employer would tell you to do. And you wanted to progress up that ladder and, and be one of those officials that refereed the NBA finals. So you went out and did whatever they told you to do. And in their mind, they were telling you it's what's good for the game because it's going to open this up. Nobody wants to come to an NBA arena and see a, a game of 85 to 80. They want to see a, a flow of it going up and down the floor, lots of points being scored. And a guy like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or one of the stars in the NBA, you know, putting in 35 points and flying up and down the floor. So you heard what he had to say. Now I want to take my time with it. I don't understand how this is a gotcha moment when what he said was quite straightforward. He said... And I don't believe you need to. I don't believe you need to be out of high school to be. I, I don't think you need to be older, uh, have uh, uh, an intellect greater than that of a high school person to be able to understand this. And somebody that watches basketball, he said, "You don't need a college degree to figure this one out." He said, "There were a lot of games where we were watching the game, and the NBA will come to us and say, 'Hey, 
There, this defender was grabbing Kobe. There, that defender was fouling Kobe. You missed that. You missed this. You missed that. You missed this, right? He brought up Raja Bell. For the people who even commented on Kobe, you don't even know the hell who Raja Bell is. Raja Bell was one of these players that Kobe Bryant used to go back and forth with. And in a playoff game, Raja Bell, because he couldn't guard Kobe, he clotheslined him in a playoff game. He clotheslined him in a playoff game. And he was talking about the physical defenses that teams were playing on these scores and what the NBA was pushing for was more freedom of movement because they were tired of seeing low-scoring games. These idiots were trying to make it seem like as if they revealed some type of upper hand that Kobe Bryant had. These guys are idiots. They are, All of them are idiots. All of them. All of them. Tim Donahue um, admitted that he was betting on games he officiated in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2006, 2007, 2007, and 2007. Good. Let's go look at the other scores that year, and let's look at what they were averaging in those seasons in terms of free throw attempts. Let's look at, let me see, uh, Tracy McGrady. Let's look at Tracy McGrady in 2003. Tracy McGrady was averaging about 9.7 free throws a game attempts. 2003, 7.5, 7.1, 7.1. He was attempting a lot of shots that year too. Let me look at Allen Iverson. How many free throws is Allen Iverson attempting those years? He was attempting what? In 2003, he was attempting nine. 2001, 2002, 9.8. 2003, 4. 9.5. 2004, 5. 10.5. 2006, 2007. 11.5. Another one at 06, 07. 9.4. Hmm. Let's go to Kobe Bryant. I'm trying to look at this magic that he was doing uh, He was doing for Kobe. Let's look at Kobe Bryant. That year, 2004, 2005, he was averaging 10. 2005, 2006, he was averaging 10. 2006, 2007, he was averaging 10. The year before, 2003... 04, he was averaging 8.2. Let's look at LeBron James. How many free throws was he he averaging since he always drafted a free throw line? 2003, that was his first season. Next year, he was averaging eight, eight free throws attempt. 10.3 in 05, 06. Nine free throws in 06, 07. 10.3. So help me figure it out. What's this bias that Kobe Bryant had that all these other scores didn't have? Let me figure it out. Y'all thought y'all figured something out. What did y'all figure out? What's this biased? Hello? What's the biased? What's this secret preferential treatment that Kobe was getting? In the 2000s, the NBA, the average score per game was 96.7, 96.9 points per game. Let's say 97 points per game. They wanted to increase the scoring. So he allowed more freedom of movement. How is this a Kobe special thing? These guys are idiots. They are idiots. These people making, they are idiots. And they thought they were saying something so innovative. Like, oh, look, we got, you didn't get nothing. Go get a book. You dudes, man, I don't understand you. Y'all thought y'all really look at the preference. Really want to go down that road about preferential treatment and things happening in the NBA? We want to do that? Players getting suspended out of finals games for just wish saying words of the players? Really? Talking about the person from the NBA office heard him in a packed arena? Heard him shout it? Are you freaking kidding? We want to go down that road? Please stop with the stupidity. Y'all are lamos, Bozos. Bozos, bunch of dweebs running around thinking y'all saying something. Just stop. Hey, look, the NBA was doing something. Look, look, they were doing something. C cut it out. All of these dudes were benefit benefiting from calls. What are we talking about? Y'all making it seem like it was a Kobe thing. These dudes, y'all are super lame, man. Super lame. Super lame. Good Lord. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook, 
at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now let's continue to the next segment. Victor Wimbenyama has taken the NBA by absolute storm. It's absolutely incredible, right? Like, he's the hottest ticket going right now. And some people love it. Some people hate it. I personally love it. We're getting a breath of fresh air. They're talking about something, somebody new, and I think it's a great thing, right? The game is expanding. The game is becoming more global. Although some people have an issue with that. Some people believe the NBA should only be an American game where only Americans players play. They don't want any kind of globalization. I just want to keep it all to myself. Nepotism is me. Pass it on to my son. Nah, 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 nah. The NBA is like, nah. Let the best man win. If he's going to come from France, if he's going to come from Australia, if he's going to come from the moon, let him win. Let the free market decide. Some people are against that. But anyway, Victor Wembanyama has been basically tearing up the NBA. Uh, in six games this season, he's averaging 20 points per game in 30 minutes. On 48.9% shooting from the field, 31% shooting from the three, which is quite impressive for a 7 for 5 guy. 7.4% from the free throw line, getting you 8.2 rebounds. Uh, 8.2 two assists per game, 3.8 turnovers. That's a bit high with 1.3 steals per game and 2.7 blocks. Good lord! Now, no one is really surprised by the blocks because this guy is as tall as uh, as as uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. Like, he's a super tall guy. So, what happened this morning? I was doing some research and I came across an article from fadeawayworld.net with the headline that said, Former Lakers star says Victor Wembenyama could win 10 NBA championships. And I was like, Whoa. 10 NBA championships. Is that is that is that what this guy just said? That means the San Antonio Spurs are going to be selling a lot of tickets for those championship years. And speaking of tickets, uh, this video is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now, here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So let me get into what this article had to say. It says, Metal World Peace makes a wild claim about the Spurs rookie star. Victor Wimayama hasn't played 10 games in his NBA career, but he's already shown enough to convince some that he's a legend in the making. After watching Victor drop 38 points on Thursday, former Lakers champion, uh, Meta Stan <laughs> uh, Sandiford Artest, formerly known as Metal World Peace, raved about the young star and claimed he has the potential to retire as a 10-time champion. Wem is winning 10 uh, titles potentially. He might win MVP this year. Definitely first team all defense and first team all NBA. Potentially the first player to be the most improved as a rookie. Meta failed to elaborate on how the rookie could win the most improved player, but it's possible that the entire post was sarcasm uh, meant to make fun of all the hype around uh, the, all of the wild predictions people are ma uh, uh, people are making. So the article then goes on to say a few other things. But then there's another article um, from FadeawayWorld.net with the headline, Victor Wembanyama could have higher ceiling than LeBron James, according to NBA analysts. It continues on. 
Uh, speaking on Undisputed this week, NBA analyst Rachel Nichols de- delivered the highest remark f- uh, yet for Spurs rookie Victor Mbanyama. In the aftermath of his 38.10 rebound performance against the Suns on Friday, she tagged him as someone with a higher upside than LeBron James himself. This guy has been a pro for years already. He played and won championships already, and you can see it. Victor Wembanyama's ceiling is higher than David Robinson, Shaq, and LeBron's. He can render the LeBron um, MJ argument basically pointless or whatever it is. So that's what uh, Rachel Nichols had to say there. Here are my thoughts on all of this. First of all, I don't know about 10 championships. To win 10 championships in today's NBA with the amount of player movement and all of that stuff, you would need to be able to keep together a core unit for a very, very long time. The Spurs are going to need to have to figure out something through the draft. And if they're going to be a very good team, it's going to be pretty hard for them to get very, very good players um, high, you know, high in the draft because the good teams seldom get, 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 get good players. In the case of Victor Wibinyama, he's truly unique. He's truly unique. If you look at his skill set, the fact that he can handle the ball that well, shoot the three, block shots like that, he can affect the game in so many ways, which is, to be quite honest with you, what you would expect from someone uh, with those type of physical attributes. Uh, Winning 10 championships is going to be very, very hard. It's going to be very, very hard because you're going to need a lot of things to go your way. To win 10, you're going to need a lot. Uh, 10, I think, is a stretch. I don't see any player being able to win 10 championships in a row. Uh probably ever. If I'm wrong, then so be it. But it's going to be very, very hard. You would need to have such a dominance over the NBA. Your team would need to be so much better than all the other teams. And most importantly, you're talking about not having injuries because injuries are going to play a major role in this entire thing. So you're basically saying that these guys for a 10-year stretch are going to be able to be healthy and be able to play these games at a high level and ultimately win all of those championships. Uh, That's a lot to ask for. And I find it very hard to believe that that's going to be possible. Do I think Victor Wembanyama is going to win championships? Yes. I think that if he wins four or five championships, then he's going to mess up a lot of people's top tens. Um, about comparing him to LeBron, they're two different players. There's some people that come in really developed as rookies and young players, and then there's some that are not. Kobe Bryant didn't come in as developed as these other guys, but he's a top five player. The other players that came in really developed, and they're not in the top five yet. So, To me, I don't really want to get into all of that. I just think it's time. We just need to let him play out his career. But thus far, he's been pretty, pretty impressive. And I do think he's going to make the all-star team this year. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Now, some people... uh, have pegged me as a Ben Simmons hater. I don't really believe so. I believe that I'm calling exactly, calling it exactly how I see it. A lot of the stats that I talk about with Ben Simmons, people act like as if I'm making them up. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm actually telling you what I see, right? Ben Simmons, when he came into the NBA, he was one of these players that was being compared to LeBron James. And if you're being compared to LeBron James, you know you're going to end up being a damn good player, right? I mean, LeBron James. And when Ben Simmons came into the NBA, he showed flashes of greatness. He was very, very quick for his size. He was fast. He had great length. He was he was strong. He had great court vision. He could run the floor. He could finish very strong at the rim. And he had, I mean, he, he could really run, run a show and run an offense. But what happened? As the years went on, we began to see Ben Simmons' game begin to plateau. We started noticing that he wasn't adding other aspects in his game. He wasn't improving his free throw shooting. He wasn't improving his perimeter shooting. 
Uh, he just wasn't maximizing his opportunities. And Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe said, if he doesn't improve his basketball game, he will regret it. That's what Kobe said. Now, some people say when I talk about this, they say I don't understand basketball. There are people that are going to say Kobe Bryant doesn't understand basketball. It's to that extent. So what happened? I was recently listening to an interview with Montrez Harrell on football sports with Gilbert Arenas. And the topic was brought up of Ben Simmons. And Montrez Harrell began to basically expose all of the deficiencies in Ben Simmons' game and really expose what NBA players and NBA teams really feel uh, when they're playing against uh, Ben Simmons. But before we even get into that, this video is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now, here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Montrez Harrell had to say about Ben Simmons, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to what he had to say here. I don't, I don't understand why they, uh, why with, with Ben, Ben and Joel, I was like, why, why are y'all just pick and rolling the shit, everybody? Who's going to guard the pick and roll with you two? Because, man, at the same time, that's, you got to take something off that gear. You're talking about pick and roll with, he ain't going to score. Boy, ain't looking at the rim. I know, but it's it's. So even if we, yeah, we. We're gonna do sag it. You so you that that pick and roll is so low. Like I'm, I'm doing the pick and roll below the free throw line. sag for first of all. If you come off that thing, and even if I go under, do whatever you want behind it. Do whatever <laughs> you still coming to me. Mm-hmm. Run, run me over. So he come out that pick and roll. Even depending on how low it is and shit like that. Yeah, we can tap it. He can go under or. If we switch it or whatever, we got Joel. Back, boom on someone like it depends on who's guarding Ben. A guard? No. Who's guarding Ben? Going to keep it regular four. Oh, you're keeping a regular four. Three on four. Him? Man, you're supposed to be three four. All that. We're speed. not putting no guards on that for what? Just because he's bringing the ball up the court, man. Beat it. <laughs> yeah, see, beat it. See that's why, man. Beat it. I had to be his coach, man. You go. You go take go go. Three for 35, man. Just I ain't gonna lie to you. Beat it. <laughs> he bringing the ball up the court is different from a Giannis bringing the ball mm -hmm. up the court now. Because he trying Freak to... bringing the ball up the court. Okay, now we might throw, like, you feel me, like a, uh, we might throw uh straight deep. We might, we'll throw a tuck on him, you feel mm -hmm. me? Somebody short them. Uh, keep, we'll keep throw, it. we throw, uh, now they'll probably throw a Drew Holiday on a, you feel me, Giannis switching, you feel me, make him pick it up and really have to use the package size. But Ben, man, no disrespect nobody, but I ain't gonna lie to you, my boy. We, we ain't even picking him up for a court. We're gonna let them go ahead and bring it up across half, and then whatever you do from there, you're gonna make yourself smaller because nine out of ten, but you ain't gonna really shoot the ball. Like you're just yeah, trying to facilitate. And see, and that's and that's, that's like you're trying thing. to pass the ball 85 to 90 percent of the time. You got it, my boy. What? Like, that's what I said. People don't understand. Like you can't like to li like if he like if he comes off and turns the corner at least four or five times and go try to dunk Young it. 
Different just game. try to dunk it. Now that's a different coverage for us. Because now you got to switch and now you got to be on your toes or he might run around you or like... Mm-hmm. But when you coming off and you coming off wild or you coming off and just throwing it back or something, man, that's the easiest coverage. <laughs> like, I ain't going to lie to you. You know, so my, my, um, my general manager, he played for the Knicks, uh, Grunfield. He told me something that I just never processed early in my career. And, you know, I was, you know, debating, like, you know, what kind of point guard I need to be. And he was like, listen, listen, listen. If you have the ball 10 times, try to score 10 times. If they stop you from scoring and you can't score, you make the pass, Sure. right? And he says, think about what I'm saying. If you're going in there and they literally stop you, right. how many people are open, right? right? Now, if you, they stop you 10 times in the game, you draw, drove 90 times and they stopped you 10 times, that's 10 open passes. If they're shooting 60% out of the group, that's six assists, right? right? He said, you sitting there trying to be a passer this guy's a shooter. Yeah. He's not a creator, so he's not open, right? Because he come. Who who got him open? Your office. So when you look at the most aggressive players, right? Think about the people who are leading the NBA. In reality, they're called ball hogs, right? Russell lead the league in assists, right? You Trey Young lead the league in assists, right? Your your three top assist players every year are the ones you're calling ball hogs. Right but they're actually the best passer because they're just aggressive. Right. Being a passer is different than being a playmaker. You want to be playmakers. Sure. Right now, Ben Simmons is being a passer right. when he needs to be a playmaker. So you heard what Montrose Harrell had to say. Now, going into this season, Ben Simmons said that he was going to be looking to make a major improvement in his basketball uh, game. As we speak right now, let's look at the, the standings in the East. The Nets are currently the sixth seed in the East. So they're 500 team, they're three and three. Let's look at Ben Simmons' numbers from last year. Last year, Ben Simmons put up 6.9 rebounds, points per game, excuse me. Uh, 56% shooting from the field, let's say 57. 0% from the free throw line, uh, from the three. 43.9% from the free throw line, getting you 6.3 rebounds, 6.1 assists uh, per game, only two turnovers and 1.4 steals, 1.3 steals. This season, in 31 minutes, he's scoring 7.4 points per game on 54.5% shooting, 0% from the three, 25% from the free throw line. 25%. 25%. Good Lord. Somebody getting paid over $20 million to make 25% of his free throws. Uh, he's scoring. He's getting you 10 rebounds a game, so that's up by four, which is good. His assists are also up by 7.2. Only 2.8 turnovers, but you're a little bit up from last year and 0.6 in steals. Listen. The fact of the matter is this: Ben Simmons should be able to be Ben Simmons should be able to put up better numbers than this. Even on the year he had a decline in Philly, he was averaging 14 a game. Ben Simmons should be averaging between 13 and 15 points per game, and he should be shooting at least 65 percent from the free throw line if he worked on his free throws. Ben Simmons is wasting everybody's time now. The Brooklyn Nets are doing fine. But I think what Montrezl Harrell described about Ben Simmons is exactly what NBA teams think about him. And for the people saying that Ben Simmons doesn't need to shoot, your stupidity has just been exposed. Because when he's aggressive and teams feel like he's going to be a threat to score, he turns into a playmaker. But nevertheless, there are people that say they know basketball. They could could coach NBA teams. They are better coaches than Red Auerbach. They were playing in the NBA. They'll tell you they know more about basketball. So forget about me. Montrezl Harrell doesn't know. Kobe doesn't know. 
Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.